try to hire the talent that's just like 100% agreeing with everything that you're saying or, or doing. Like you, you need people who think critically, who stand up for their ideas, who are not afraid to share that and push back. I mean, that's what you need as an entrepreneur. Hi, I'm Aaron Levy, and I have this crazy vision of a workplace where your manager doesn't suck, where instead of being the reason you quit your job is actually the reason you stay, where your manager is your coach, helping you to reach your full potential at work. I founded Raise the Bar, wrote Open, Honest, and Direct, and started this podcast to help companies transform their workplace by creating an environment where both the company and employee wins. In this podcast, I get to interview leaders who've built high-performing teams and learn from them on what it takes to unlock a team's potential. Today, I'm lucky to have PJ Booten, the co-founder and CEO of Showpad, which he co-founded with Louis Jonquier in 2011. He recognized a need to empower sales and marketing teams to deliver a better buyer experience. Since 2011, PJ has helped build a global company with over 1,200 customers in 50 countries, supported by over 350 team members. PJ has had plenty of experience in building companies from scratch when in 2010, he co-founded In The Pocket, a leading mobile development agency, and continues to sit on the company's board. In today's conversation, PJ talks about what it takes to be a founder of a high-growth company, the challenges, tough decisions, and lessons learned along the way. PJ, it's fun to have you here. I know we're not uh, live in person together, uh, but I'm excited to have this conversation with other people. I mean, I feel like we've talked about entrepreneurship so many times over the past uh, year or two, and now we get a chance to, to hear your stories and experiences and share them with others. So thank you for coming on. It's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me. I think the, the place that I want to start today is just to understand what is sales enablement and what does Showpad do? Um, it's something that people ask a lot, but it's, it's, a, it's a whole new platform. Tell us a little bit about it. So, I mean, basically, maybe, you know, to share what is sales enablement, let me just give you a brief, like, history of Showpad in, like, one or two minutes, because it will help you understand and, you, and the audience of what sales enablement is. Showpad basically started off as a mobile application to make sales teams more productive on a trade show. So imagine you had salespeople at a booth. They need to present and share materials. And in the old days, they would just hand out brochures. And, you know, that's it. You have no insight. Is the prospect or customer reading it? Uh, it's a big mess to keep it up to date, to print it, stuff like that. And so that's the first product that we created. It was basically a mobile application where marketing could easily push uh, their, you know, brochures, marketing materials, presentations, videos to, and salespeople could present and share. And today, you know, sales enablement is, you know, our platform makes it sure that sellers can be better prepared by making sure they have the right content, but whether it's on a tablet now or in a web application or in their CRM, it doesn't matter. So wherever salespeople live, Showpad makes sure they can have the right materials. They can easily personalize that, present it, share it with the customer, and then the marketing and sales uh, uh, management gets a lot of, you know, analytics, insights, data on content usage, sales rep activity and basically it helps sales and marketing teams to be more aligned to you know help them deal with the more informed buyer better and to deliver a better buyer experience that's what sales enablement is about and so this is like almost a whole new field and and space that that's been created in the last several years how have you participated in that as a thought leader as a grower of the space I mean, if you think about the sales and marketing tech space, the, the previous 10 years were all about 
content management, Box, SharePoint, CRM, Salesforce, marketing automation, yeah, Marketo, Eloqua. Um, but you know, all of these are great and relevant solutions, but they don't make your sales team more productive, more effective. And so you know, that's really where sales enablement comes into play. That's really where you know, Showbat really helps salespeople to be more relevant, to make sure they can go out there with more confidence, that they have the right materials, that they're super well prepared, that they can personalize those conversations. And you know, this is a new category of software and it takes time and a massive effort to create a category. And to be honest, when Louis and myself founded Showpad, we didn't have a clue about sales enablement as a category. We just build a solution to help salespeople be more productive on a trade show. And But as we've developed the product, as we you know, signed up more customers, as we started spending time with analysts and, and seeing what was happening in the world, you know, suddenly you have a lot of people and also investors obviously saying they're like, hey guys, what you're actually doing is you're creating a new category of, of, of software, a, a, a new product that's really uh, critical for the sales and marketing tech stack. And so it's something that we didn't have the plan when we started Showpad to create this new category of, of, of software. But, you know, in the meantime, it, it is a massive category. There's multiple big players out there. They've all raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Showpad grew now to, you know, almost 500 people. We raised more than $150 million uh, in funding and, and, and have more than 1,200 customers. So among which some really big names like Johnson Johnson, GE Healthcare, you know, really big names. When you started, what inspired you and Louie to, to create this business and to create it the way you did? Showpad actually is our second business. And so I met Louie when working at a startup uh, myself. I, I was working at a social media, a European social media company before Facebook came along and, and crushed it, which was a, a experience <laughs> at itself. Um, but, but that's where Louie and myself met. I, I worked three years at, at a company called Netlog. Louie and myself were, were colleagues. Louie actually was a... He, did, he first did his internship from business school in my team and then joined the company. And so, you know, we hit it off right away. And, and the, the, the thing where we met were our passion for innovation, for product, for also entrepreneurship. Louis was already, he had, a, as a student, he already had built his first business. And I had a real desire to do something uh, on my own, like, you know, create something, make a difference. And so the combination of a passion for technology, um, the example that we've got from you know two young founders of, of the startup that we worked ourselves was also inspiring like seeing two young guys realize their dream but then louis and myself wanted to infuse that with some of our own values which we thought are you know important and and and, and so and really be the be kind of the master of our own destiny and so you know it's it's on the crossroads of passion for innovation inspiring example and environment we were in and then kind of infusing that with our own values and, and, and kind of core beliefs. And especially in Belgium, like people have a very strict image of businessmen in our country. While I, I see in the US, there's definitely, you know, more adoration and admiration for you know, entrepreneurs and business people. And in, in Belgium, it's, it, it doesn't always have a very positive connotation. And so, you know, we wanted to change that. And so you, you're kind of making your own destiny and your own path. And, and then, you know, Showpad over the course of the last 10 years has grown incredibly rapidly. And now you're not just creating your own destiny, but you're creating destinies for others and right. Hundreds of people yeah. that are working for you and with you. And how have you had to adapt and change 
or what's had to change about you as a person, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as your organization has, has changed? I think first and foremost, I think as a leader and as a entrepreneur of a growing business, I think you constantly have to change. Change is a constant. And I think when you start off, you know, as a business or when you start a company and, and, and you gather a couple of people to help realize uh, your dream and your vision, it's a very different environment, you know, with four or five people around the kitchen table and suddenly, you know, four or 500 people across two continents, eight offices, and then multiple time zones. I think what, what unites those two, you know, the start and, and where we are today is, is, is the vision, the core values, the way that team shows up and, and what we believe uh, is important. But it, it's definitely been a, you know, journey, I think both personally in terms of, you know, in those 10 years, I, I got married, I became a father of a daughter and a boy, uh, we moved places several times. Um, we've spent a lot of time in the U.S. And so you're going through personal transitions, professional transitions. And that, you know, culminates also with, with then how you um, show up as a, as a leader, as a person. And it, it, it impacts you. And so I think while the first years, I, I just worked super hard, seven days a week together with Louis. It was like, it were really fun times, like, you know, just really going all in. Uh, we had very limited resources. We, we we bootstrapped the company the first two to three years. Louis and myself, we shared a car. We had one car. Uh, Louis and myself, we lived in the same street. So we had one car. We usually parked it somewhere in the middle of the street. If I would look out <laughs> of the window and Louis would look out the window, we'd, we'd always see, is the car there? And in the weekends, the, you know, the first the person who got up first in the morning would be would have the car for the rest of the day. That was the uh, <laughs> that, that was the so you know that, that gives you an idea of the, the the setting and the and and it was a lot of fun. It's fun to work in a, in a small group where you know everybody so well. Per, you know personally, you you know the name of their parents, kids, dogs. Uh, you spend you know countless hours together, and then obviously that evolves. If you you hire people, you, you go to a new continent. Louis moved to the U.S. and and so it's a constant it's constant change, uh, and I think being open to that change and then also. Uh, recognize the times when you know change forces you to put things in perspective and then you can either act on that or not act on that and I think that's that's actually what makes entrepreneurship fun sometimes what I what I notice is even when you have the best intentions um, it doesn't always work out the way you want it how have you been able to to overcome the challenges the struggles of kind of a rapidly growing team and company as you've led them? You know, first and foremost, I think the first way I've overcome those challenges is having an awesome co-founder and entrepreneur like Louis next to me who would challenge me, who would give me feedback, who would, you know, push me to show up in, in a great way. And I, I'm an angel investor myself, and I, and I think it's very powerful. I mean, it doesn't always work, but definitely in, in, in the right setting, co-foundership can be very powerful. For me, the second thing is having an environment that is supportive. My wife, my friends, you need to create that environment for yourself and have the support of those people to, to, to be successful. The third thing for me is, is when you hire talent into the organization, uh, be really, you know, don't try to hire the talent that's just like, 100% agreeing with everything that you're saying or, or doing. Like you, you need people who think critically, who you know stand up for their ideas, who are not afraid to share that and push back. I mean, that's what I, I, I think you need as an entrepreneur.
try to surround yourself with people who from a value perspective and on a personal level where you can really relate to the people I've surrounded myself with have always been people with like strong values, ethically always like, you know, people where you immediately feel they're, they're authentic, they're good natured, they're, uh, they have best intentions. But what you want to avoid is that those people then always just confirm or just give you pads in the back. Like, Hey, you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. Because if you're constantly hearing how great you're doing, you're not going to make a ton of progress. So for me, that combination, I found that with Louis as a co-founder, I found that with employees, I found that with investors and advisors, and then also create an environment where your friends, your family also support you and, you know, but also challenge you sometimes how you show up. As long as I've known you and, and the Showpad team, you guys have made a clear decision to invest in your people. What's made that a priority for you? For me, if you would have asked that question or make, made that statement probably you know three or four years ago, I think investing in people meant for me, I would need to do that, right? And, 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 and I think as a leader, you constantly need to be investing in people. Over the last years, we've involved at Showpad many other resources to help invest in our people, you know, external speakers, uh, external coaches. But also I've been pushing way more responsibility upon the leadership team to really make sure they show up in the right way. And, and what made that a priority is just the motions you go through as an organization from the five to 10 to 20 people around that kitchen table where in a small environment, there's a really you know, simple and very visible and self-regulating in some way, because everybody always has, has little things to work on and to make progress on. But when you know each other on a personal level, you can be so forgiving on all the small things that maybe, you know, could annoy you in, in, in a totally different setting or where you could get hung up on uh, in, in a different setting. And I think as a company scales and grows, where there's bigger teams, management layers, uh, where communication becomes, you know, less direct, more dispersed, where there's more things that go through the grapevine and things like that. At certain stages, you, you'll there will be some you know, topics in the company where whether it's a certain decision, maybe on product direction, or whether it's how we've handled maybe a situation with an employee who wasn't performing, or there's countless examples where in, in the past I was, imp- you know, there, there was no need to really invest in the people because we were constantly, <laughs> the fact that we were so close to each other everybody was constantly investing in everybody because you're eating together, you're, 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 you're knowing each other. The moment the organization gets bigger, you have to be more explicit about it and structure that in a better way where you make it more clear what are the values uh, of our company? How do we expect people to show up? How can we you know, coach you know, people in onboarding, but also people who've been here longer to like continuously be aware of those values and, and, and align with our vision and mission where we want to go as a company. And, and all those things need to be more programmatic. You need to think, think those things through in, in greater detail and a bit more structure when you grow as a company. You, you start to think about investing in people the moment that you, you think like, hey, I'm actually, I'm putting so much effort in my people, but like they're still people who are not happy here and there's still things happening, you know, A, B, C. And, and that's when you're realizing like, okay, we need to do things differently. Why? Because we're not around that kitchen table anymore with 20 people. We're with 300 people in all these different offices and some people are more connected to the things that we're doing versus others. And I think every organization that has had the growth or has a growth like Showpad experiences. Till 2019, I've always had, I've always 
knew basically the, the, the names of, of every single employee in, in our company. And suddenly, when that's no longer possible, you, you really have to, it's strange because then you have these coffee machine interactions which are totally different because you walk up to an employee like, ah, damn, like, you know, I actually haven't met this person, you know, because somebody else hired that person. It's, you feel guilty in some way that you don't know that person's name. And so to process that, again, it's, it's, it's learning, it's adjusting, it's making mistakes. I just try to learn from how other, you know, companies and CEOs and uh, do things. And, and, you know, you, there's obviously you can read books, you can talk to other CEOs, which is always, which is always helpful. In the early days, we had like a SaaS founders group in San Francisco, where I was part of. Still today, both our investors, Inside and Dawn, and also Hummingbird, they set up these programs where they would facilitate informal contacts with other CEOs, do an event, things like that. And for me, those are always the, the conversations where you're inspired and can learn. And that really helps you to process the environment uh, and the change that you're in. You're a really inspired, energized, positive person. And so over the last several months when COVID hit and you had some difficult decisions to make, how did you go about that? How did you, you know, think about the decisions and then implement and, and carry forward? In, in the last 18 months prior to COVID, we, we hired like, you know, 250 people. We've had tremendous growth show, but over the last, you know, since the existence in 2010 we've always had like plus 100 percent growth every year a crazy roller coaster and, and then obviously you know when that growth sl- slows yeah you, ha- you have a reality check where you're you know in the good days as a company already burning quite a lot of cash that's why we raised so much money but then obviously when COVID hit you, you need to take responsibility for to protect the whole and and when that happened we've, we've assessed where we were as a business uh, unfortunately that that meant that we need to you know say goodbye to a very limited amount of employees, but still, you know, very tough. And then the way that we've approached that was, I've said to the exec team immediately, like, you know, we need to do this in the most empathic, considerate way, because like, I didn't want that decision to be taken lightly, but I also wanted to make sure that the way that we executed it would be in the utmost human, caring, empathic uh, way. And, and that actually requires you to really dig deep think things through, just making sure that everything is, you know, from, from the practical side, which needs to be well organized, but then from the communication side, where there needs to be so much attention to how you communicate in which form. And then it's, it's also in, in, you know, things like, you know, for our American employees, we, we made sure they would get, you know, at least six months healthcare coverage. And we really wanted to make it clear to the people that were affected by this, like, Hey, this is not your fault. Like, it's not about, you know, this is not you. And, and then really setting up the support structure for the affected people and then also facilitate. Actually, it, it's been really awesome to see our employees help former show employees to land new jobs. And we've been providing references. I've been jumping on calls personally, writing references, things like that. And it's been great to see. I mean, luckily, we, we hire truly talented and amazing people. And a lot of those people already landed new jobs in a super short amount of time. And, and that really makes uh, episode in our history uh, a little bit more uh, digestible. You've had quite a journey. What, what's one of the proud moments that stands out to you through this journey so far? It's not one big moment, but, but the, the thing that really makes me more, most proud is like when you see your employees kicking ass. And, and what I mean, it could be something simple as in a, I have a weekly staff meeting 
and on that staff meeting, every staff meeting, there's several people, you know, could be individual contributors, managers, directors, VPs, you know, it could be anybody in the company presenting something to, to the executives team. And for me, then there, there's a lot of moments there where you see employees that you've maybe hired a couple of years ago or that you've seen grow over the last year. And for me, see employees do well or kick ass and it could be, or at an event when somebody's speaking or at like that really makes you proud. That makes me proud at least as a, as a CEO and a founder, because you know, the trajectory that some people went through to like get to where they are today. And, and so it kind of confirms like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a moment of, of, of pride because you know that you created at least the context in which that person uh, managed to thrive. And obviously that person had to do all of the hard work, but, but just to be that, you know, context creator and then seeing people being su successful, especially employees makes you really proud. And then it's the same with customers, actually, the moment that, you hear customer stories about like how your product has impacted their business, how it's impacting their sales team, sales and marketing teams and the way they go to their customers. I mean, those are the two things that really make me, make me proud. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to a, an entrepreneur who's just starting out now in your shoes or even a leader who's, who's just starting to build and grow a team? If you pick a co-founder, pick him wisely. I, I feel I got really lucky. Uh, with, with Louis and then we've been on this journey now for 10 years and, and still enjoy working with each other every day but you know it's such a roller coaster from like highs lows challenging times really good times and things like that and having a strong partner on that road like makes it I, I couldn't have done it without Louis so for me like for for people who are looking to start a business and if, if you're able to like find a great co-founder where you align on, on those core values. I, I think that's, that's a piece of advice. Then I would say focus on solving a, a problem that really makes a difference and, and, and that really, you know, try, try to focus on really solving a big problem or a big challenge because it will be harder to solve, but it will give, give you more satisfaction and also it give you more potential as a company because it's going to be a bigger market if you successfully tackle that challenge. The third thing for me would be to focus on the customer make sure that once you have found that great co-founder maybe once you're solving a really big problem that you then you make sure in solving that problem that you know you put you know your customers first and in putting your customers first to do so you will learn that actually you will need to put your employees first because without happy employees you won't be able to do anything with your customer and then maybe last but not least is just making sure that you're something that we haven't done explicitly in the beginning as showpad but it's like really articulate like the purpose for your company articulate you know the, the vision the mission and, and rally your people behind it because it's very powerful those are some of the my nuggets of, of, of advice for starting uh, entrepreneurs thank you for sharing and i'm excited to see showpad and and where it continues to uh, make a mark in in the space and um, i think I, I just love what you said it, one of the things you said in there which is find something a big problem that is satisfying or fulfilling for you because when you solve it in the market you're going to be fulfilled and solved on on your end too so um thank you for sharing your nuggets your time and uh have a wonderful day thanks Aaron. want to hear more great stories like this one subscribe to us on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoyed this episode leave us a review and as always, you can drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com. Mm -hmm.